Things are very different for the RV Small Talk podcast this week. We are not at home. PJ, where are we right now? You know, I'm not sure, but I think we're in Charlotte, North Carolina. Seems like. We've yes, been bouncing at an airport all over the place. somewhere. Yes. yes, but it doesn't make much sense from our day to day. Why is it different? Why are we here? And why in the heck would we do a podcast in the airport? Well, because. We had an opportunity to spend a few days at New Camp, and today we're going to share our conversation with Scott. And uh, that was Scott Hubble. Scott Hubble at CEO. New Camp, yes. Right. And it's always good, you know, right now to catch up with what's going on with the manufacturers because really they're driving it. Mm-hmm. So that's what we'll do. So while we're at it, let's talk about our sponsor this week. Go Power has been helping us out with the past few episodes, and they do amazing work with solar power, lithium ion batteries, and converters to make sure that all of your electronics in your RV, no matter what it is, or your boat, or your semi-truck for all I care. They, <laughs> Wherever you want Go power. Power does amazing things to make sure that you keep your lights on, your things charged, and you can still be entertained or cool or whatever you need. Go Power is at gpelectric.com. They have solutions for you, whether it be a bulk package or all the parts. Go learn and go power. gpelectric.com. Once again, welcome to the RV Small Talk Podcast. We talk about things like lightweight trailers, truck campers, the people and places that go along with them. I am Clint. I'm PJ. Lindsay's not with us this week, and uh, she is holding down the fort at Princess Craft RV. Yes, and she's getting ready for our rally. So we will check in with the Texas Tiny Trailer Rally in the next episode. Until then, let's jump right into this one. So we are getting our way back home from Amish country, not just any Amish country. This We were at Sugar Creek, Ohio, where New Camp RV is based, where they make all these amazing trailers and truck campers. Now, Clint, that was your first trip really to Ohio Amish country, right? Uh, the only other time I've been in the area was on a slow moving train. No, wait, the wrong story. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was actually on a train trip. I was uh, I was going around the country in uh, in sixth grade. We just did a kind of around the nation well, I, train trip. You know, I don't but know. That, Does sixth grade no count? Well, it would yeah. if I had stopped and if had you'd an stopped. experience. Oh. <laughs> but I looked out a window. <laughs> okay, so what impressed you the most? Because it is just a different world there. Well, being from Central Texas, right, where it is still quite hot and things are still quite dry. Coming up to this neck of the woods, I suppose, everything is just rolling hill, hills, green, and kind of picturesque. Oh, it's like a postcard. Idyllic. Every curve is like a postcard. Right. And it rains. It rained every day we were here. Right. Every single day it rained. And the weather? hmm I don't know. Wow. I mean, it was perfect. Right. Now, we didn't have enough days for me to say, yeah, you, you know, I could see myself living over here because I hear it gets super cold. Yeah. To, to a level I'm not used to being from where That's right. we are. Right. But um, right now, it's, oh, it's I could lovely. I could have stayed a few more days easily. Oh, oh, and you know what? I think you can't talk about a trip to Sugar Creek, Ohio, without talking about the food. Yes, we, there we are stories some... I've heard about Amish <laughs> cooking. It's true, and how it's really not healthy cooking. They're not worried about that, so they're worried about. I guess heavy cooking, 
All the carbs, all the starches, all the butters, and all the sugars. They're energetic people. They do. They do keep going. They don't. A lot of bicycles. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of buggies. A lot of walking. A lot of manual labor. I. I don't. They're all running family farms and working full time jobs. So maybe you you need extra food. I don't know. Well, but last night, uh, right. it was crazy. I have never seen this, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, 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 it's no big deal. But, you know, I'm a Texas girl, mm-hmm. and there's literally the hot thing on the menu. We asked the waitress, okay, what's good? You know, we're at the only place that's left open when we're trying to eat. Well, because we've wrapped up our work at the, at the at, end, at of, the end o'clock, of the day. Right? So, right, so they rolled up their sidewalks already. So here we are at the only place ready to eat. We walk in when they close, and we say, okay, what should we get? And she says, we're famous for our noodles and mashed potatoes. What does that mean to you when you first heard well, it? Well, uh, you know, the picture that comes to mind is pretty much, pretty much what you get. And <laughs> when you texted the picture to your uh, wife, she says, so what's your side? Thinking you'd have a salad or green beans. No, or, no and there's this no is a side. big plate with a mound of mashed potatoes and on top of that a mound of noodles and the noodles seem to have been cooked in bone or chicken broth chicken yeah it yeah, was it's, it's literally like chicken, like soup, chicken soup minus the, the soup, soup. <laughs> it's so true. it was chicken noodles minus the chicken on top of a mound of mashed potatoes and i went for it and, yep. and so did <laughs> i so did i and if anybody knows me i mean i it is not my style to eat all that but i did it I did it. I cleaned my, well, I didn't all the way. I mostly cleaned my plate. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, they said they were famous for their pies. So we had to have pie with ice cream, right? Right, right. And they had a long list of pies. And I asked, what pairs well with a mound of mashed potatoes and noodles on (laughs) top? (laughs) Is there something really that goes with noodles and mashed potatoes? Well, I, I think I got my answer. More sugars and carbs. <laughs> <laughs> so then you had oatmeal pie. Oatmeal pie. And uh-huh. I said, so, I mean, I can guess, but oatmeal pie, tell me about this. And, it, and she's like, well, it's like a oatmeal cookie, except for in pie form. And she was not wrong. With more carbs. With more carbs. So my, I would take that explanation a little bit further. The top part was kind of oatmeal cookie. And underneath that was a little bit more like pecan pie. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it was good, especially with the ice cream that obviously had to go with it. Yes. Um, but last night, that yeah. was a heavy <laughs> meal. Yeah. We went back to our rooms and slept really well until five o'clock. Right. Right. Now, we actually thought we could get up at four o'clock and record this, but... We thought five o'clock was early enough. <laughs> right. And so we'll just do it in the airport. So that's how weird we are. So if you're hearing any ambient sound, it's literally... Uh, we are standing quietest, in an airport. Yeah, one of the quietest places between two terminals um, here. And, um, you know, we're people watching and talking and people are people watching us. Yeah, they certainly <laughs> are. We're drinking coffee and talking on microphones. But, you know, I, I have to say I'm so excited. We are so busy and normally manufacturers have open house right about now and we come up and spend three or four days in Indiana. Mm-hmm. But now we're making a few short jumps because manufacturers are having small programs. Mm-hmm. They can't have the big open house that the industry normally has. So uh, it's, it's just been an odd year for us trying to connect with just a few of the important manufacturers. Mm-hmm. And it's, you would think it would free up our schedule, but it seems like it's crammed it together. Because instead of one event, there's a whole bunch. And then we have rallies that aren't really rallies. Right. They're more like campouts. 
So we have to hit those. And so when everything ran together, thanks for hanging in there with us while we talk in an airport. Right. So how's the airport travel feel to you? Well, do you um, wish you were in an RV? Uh, you know, I don't know. I if I do airports, you know, once a year, I'm cool with it because it's it's kind of you know I still have a little bit of that fun to it. But uh-huh. If I do it two, three, four times a year, it it loses it. Um, if I were to compare the two, RV would still win every time. Yeah. Well. It's just, and and this one is not all that fun. I mean, Charlotte's not a tiny airport, but we had to work really hard to find a cup of coffee because about half the shops are closed. Right. Now, this one has more people in it, but the other ones look kind of like a ghost town. It it was actually sad. It's kind of depressing being in an airport. So many stores are closed, not much restaurant options. You have to wear a mask the whole time, which, you know, I'm fine with that. But it's just a weird, right? Weird apocalyptic right. feeling so in the maybe, airport. Maybe we should get badges like those flight jacket badges and says apocalyptic air. Maybe, like maybe. So um, yeah, and so walking in first, leaving, coming up here, Austin Airport. I know that airport. I've been in and out of it so many times. Yeah. There wasn't enough stuff open. There weren't enough bodies yeah. in there. We and could find coffee in Austin, but we couldn't find food. Right. So that was backwards. Mm-hmm. There was no food open, right. but there was coffee and, of course, you know, a little snack bite things. But mm-hmm. uh, that was that was weird. Yeah. Yeah, and a few in between. Well, um, so so this week leave on Monday, and two two flights up to um, Indiana. Where, yeah. Indiana. Yeah, we went through no, no. we went through Midway. Yeah, but up to Ohio, which was really sparse, uh-huh. which is weird for Midway. And then a long uh, rental car ride. And that's another fiasco that doesn't need to be recorded. But that was no. a fiasco. <laughs> this is the part of travel that's just, uh, it just wears you down. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. It, we almost missed our flight right. through no fault of our own. That would have made a really long day, Clint. Oh, yeah. We'd have been yeah. traveling for 12 hours. Well, and here's the deal. You're landing and pretty much turning around and immediately going to the Texas Tiny Trailer Rally. Yes, I'm going to talk to my husband on the telephone as I drive to the rally from the airport. So, you know, that's that's the life we live these days. Mm-hmm. How and, lucky and that I'm we have so many cool friends. At the rally tomorrow. Yeah. And we're going to run it through Sunday. And then you got work have, to do. Uh, a week in peace, maybe, but before we kind of replicate this week. Yeah. There's a chance we're going to head out to Indiana. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that week, we'll come back for the. the Texas truck camper rally. Right. Which is not a rally, by the way. It's a camp out. Right. So. It has the same moniker that it's always had, but we have to reform it for the COVID era times. Right. It is now just a come and camp and wave at each other from your campsites. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm really glad we decided to do this. We considered canceling it, but everybody said, well, we're camping anyway. So we're like, well, we'll join you then. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad we decided to do that because that'll give give us some feeling of normalcy. Mm -hmm. And we get to get out there. You know, folks are camping. So we might as well just camp together. Right. Right? It's still one of the best things you can still do. It was one of the best things you could do anyways. But to me, it's gone up in rank. To get outside and camp. Well, I tell you what, I would take it all day long over this really weird airport travel. Mm-hmm. So, all right, we uh, we we're wrapping up the airport and going to the RV travel. It's going to be so fun. 
Well, we can decompress. I know. And next podcast, we'll kind of give you a hint into how uh, it's going at the camp out. Sure. So stay tuned. Right now, let's go ahead and get to that interview that we recorded previously yeah. with Scott Hubble from New Camp. Let's do it. I pushed a button. Something happened. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) PJ, today we find ourselves way out of our normal location, realm. Yeah. I I wouldn't say comfort zone because this place is pretty spectacular. Well, I don't know. You got to be pretty comfortable in Ohio, right? Ohio. Ohio. So today we find ourselves in Ohio. Why, PJ, are we in Ohio? Because we get to hang out with the New Camp folks. Okay. In Sugar Creek, Ohio... Doesn't that just sound like Paradise, USA? Sugar Creek, Ohio. Is it? It's nice here. It's nice here. <laughs> well, we're chatting with Scott. So uh, Scott, we need, instead of us Scott yammering, Hubble. Scott Hubble. Scott Hubble, who with is. With New Camp. Who with New Camp? Uh, I don't know. Scott, who are you with New Camp? Well, I am the CEO here at New Camp, but in practice, I'm just another guy. That's what you say. I heard you say yesterday that, yeah, you just do a little of everything. I actually, I said I do a little of everything and a lot of nothing. You know, I've been with the company for 10 years and starting off small with eight employees, you wear dozens of hats. Right. And over the years, I've been able to shed them. And today, uh, you know, I've got the title of CEO and I focus on probably six to seven areas but um it seems as if i do a little bit of everything but maybe not a whole lot of anything i think that's fair enough and and as you kind of alluded to when you said that 10 years give or take just a little bit in the lifespan of the new camp that we know today that encompasses a whole lot of new camp history if I were to, to kind of get a synopsis, you said how many people when you first came on? We had eight individuals, uh, plus Joe Mullet, who's uh-huh. the founder, and myself. Okay. And this is a very modern building I'm sitting in, but it it smells of new-ish. What was the setting way back when? I mean, we're talking just 10 years ago. That's nothing. But what was that setting? What was that like? Sure. Actually, it was a uh, old orchard storage building. Uh-huh. So... It was uninsulated. The walls um, were just cinder block and the doors were about 12 inches thick. Mm -hmm. Um, It was maybe 3000 square feet and we had enough room to form a line of perhaps four stations. Okay. So um, it was just a older, uh, not very comfortable building, but you got to start somewhere. Right. And what were you making at that point in time? At that point in time, we were making, you know, pure teardrop trailers, um, essentially five by eight and five by 10 teardrops. Um, you know, more specifically, we were the sole manufacturer for a distributor called Little Guy Worldwide. Okay. Okay. I, I, I have to jump in here because, I mean, Scott, I know that you're a fairly educated person. Right. You're not one of those. I got a high school degree and didn't know what to do with myself kind of thing. You've you're you have a good education. What made you work with eight people building teardrops in a orchard shed? What possibly possessed you to jump in with this group? You know, that's a great question. And 
I've never actually put skin on that for myself. Um, but it, it's just two words. I think it's blue sky. So when that opportunity presented itself, I actually had several other opportunities on the table. And, and that weren't in an orchard in a shed, right? I suspect. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, safe, secure, well-paid positions uh -huh. um, with a lot of benefits. And I chose the option to, you know, go work with eight Amishmen in an old dilapidated building um, for not a whole lot of money out of the gate. Um, but I saw so much potential and it was such a neat product there's just something magnetic about teardrop trailers, frankly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you have experience with teardrop trailers, any trailers, any RVing whatsoever at that point in time? No, I didn't. You wild man jumping into this. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, yeah, you, you had gone in a very corporate way. You kind of must have had aspirations to be more of a corporate individual sometime in your life. Is it just the idea of creating something or it sounds like you can't put words to it. I certainly can't. I'm struggling right here. Sounding really dumb. Sure. Well, you know, I was well equipped from an education standpoint. I had an accounting degree, a law degree and an MBA. And I was working for an independent marketing consulting agency. And, you know, I had the opportunity to um, just drive some web traffic for uh, a distributor of trailers and one thing led to another and I started getting more opportunities. Um, I liked what I was doing. I had free reign. I had the creativity, um, as I got more exposed to teardrop trailers and the market. Um, I love just trying to grow something that's small because right. I think once people see and understand what a teardrop trailer is, um, they're usually all about them. And it's more about that education that just, right. um, I don't know, it's rewarding to see excitement grow in somebody else mm -hmm. that you've felt. You know, that's baffling to me. And it, it, I guess, I don't know, baffling is the right word, but the teardrop format of a camper, of a trailer, is not actually new on the scene. And yet it somehow has flown so well under the radar that you are always surprising people with what a teardrop trailer is. Teardrop trailers have been around since what, the late 20s, early, mid 30s? And and we're still educating people of not only is this a thing, but it's possible and it's a whole lot of fun. It's a thriving segment of the RV market. And people don't know that the community's out there. It, it's, it's just wild to me. Well, don't you think that we've all gotten kind of thought of the RV industry as this big thing that's like bringing your living room with you. And so it had to be reintroduced. You know, more is better um, has been kind of the growth of the industry right. for so long. But, you know, I'm sitting here thinking I'm, I'm I am surrounded by two people who are way taller than six foot. I mean, did you even fit in the teardrops that you were making, Scott? A couple of them. I, I, I tell <laughs> people I fold on the dotted lines. It's fine. It, <laughs> Bend your yeah. knees, right? Yeah, I'm a fetal sleeper, so we're yeah. all right. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, they're obviously uh, a little larger than one would suspect. But if you've got a six and a half foot mattress, most people, self-included, can get in there. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so what did you think that company could be? What did you, what was your dream for, uh, well, it wasn't even New Camp back then. It was 
Pleasant Valley. So what was your dream for that company when you started with it? It wasn't too specific. Um, I can tell you that the building that we're in now on the property that we're on um, was in that dream. Um, when I first came down here, um, we used to take this side road, uh, Joe and I, mm-hmm. and I would point at that property and I would say, so we're going to own that one day. And he would just laugh at me. <laughs> but sure enough, um, we had an opportunity to make that purchase and we needed to grow. And here we are today. Mm-hmm. So 2010, what did I see the future looking like? I think it looked a little bit like what it looks like. Um, but I did not think that we would be, you know, pursuing a lot of different opportunities. Um, certainly not truck camper, certainly not a barefoot, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. growing more teardrops, you know, with new and different options. Um, that was probably about the ceiling that I put on it. It mm-hmm. wasn't until, you know, two, three years into it that I started, you know, looking beyond. Mm-hmm. Why horizon. couldn't we make more stuff? Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Cool. And I imagine it took about that long to get from very startup kind of stages to be able in the hard work it takes in those stages to be able to lift your eyes from the work enough to just go, there's something, there's a horizon there and potential beyond, you know. So 10 years later, what's the hardest part? What's the hardest thing you've had to do here? Um, you know, sort of a little bit what Clint was just referring to. It's um, making sure that I keep my head up. Um, for so long, I had to do. So it's, you know, checking all these boxes. And now it's, you know, really more about leading and keeping the proper vision. Um, yes, I still have to do. But, um, you know, it's it's the connection and realizing what's relevant. Um, so that would be the most difficult part because I had trained myself for so long just to check boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can certainly relate to that. You know, you pedal so fast and then when you realize, wait, I have to keep my head above this and be sure the boat's going in the right direction. Um, that's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's hard to get off the pedals. What possibly made you guys five years ago say, hey, I was thinking why that. don't we build some truck yeah. campers? What, yeah. What goes yeah. From, go, from a teardrop company to have we considered building a truck camper? I mean, it's such a wildly different beast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. And I was posed with that a lot. And um, I think the answer has a couple, couple facets to it. Um, one is Joe had built a couple truck campers back in around the 2006 era, okay. maybe a grand total of 30 or 40. So he had a general familiarity with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had a little bit of a foundation, but for me, I, I enjoy looking at the market and the consumers. So I saw, um, and I'd say an ignored mm-hmm. market that I thought was sort of dead and boring. And from the consumer side- You know, side, you just hurt a lot of people's feelings, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's dead the, and boring. Five the, years ago, you know, he loves some them. cool he, stuff he, out there. Come on. They're lively now. <laughs> but they, were, but yeah. they, they weren't- uh, Maybe they were underserved. 
Maybe he felt like the, as uh, as a community. We're helping you out here. We're pulling I, you out of the weeds. No, I understand <laughs> that. I, I appreciate it. I guess I, to me, when I looked at it, um, a lot of things looked the same. I wasn't very inspired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, fair. And I know that we are funky and different. So when when we look at our designs, frankly, in comparison to anything else out there, um, it's very different. So to take that different look and infuse it into a largely static environment, mm-hmm. I think that um, was a big opportunity. And that's one of the core reasons that we did it. Mm-hmm. From the consumer side, we saw a tribe of people, um, just like we cater to a tribe of people in teardrops. Mm-hmm. And you know, one truck camper sees another truck camper, regardless of manufacturer, they have a bond. Right. And it's the same way in the teardrop community. So it was community driven. It was opportunity in terms of design driven. Um, and then, of course, we had the foundation there with Joe. Right. You you kind of mentioned that, you know, you bring some of the feel, the emotion, the aesthetics of what you were already producing the teardrops and say, if we infuse that into the format of truck camping, that brings to my mind, you do. New Camp has a look. It has a design quality feel and it tends to lean what people would say is modern and European. Where do you think that influence or that that desire to pursue that look and feel is coming from this? I know you've traveled Europe. The funky style, but but the funky European yeah, style well, that I, you mentioned, including some of the components that go into your your units. They're they're fantastic, but you're the only one sourcing them. Mm hmm. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I would tell you it's um, probably a byproduct of the individuals that were here without saying, hey, this is our philosophy or this is our identity. This is who we are. Um, Early on, as we grew to a company of, let's say, 15 to 20, Mm -hmm. um, there was myself, Joe, and an individual named Alan. Um, That was the office. Mm -hmm. It was just the three of us. And uh, they both... Um, were designers, Joe building teardrops, Alan designing underground furniture, as he would call it. Uh, <laughs> underground ca- caskets. furniture. Oh, right. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he came from uh, designing caskets to designing <laughs> teardrops, which not too much of a size difference. Little but, known fact. Yeah. Uh, but uh, well, he, this, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. I see the similarity in a right? teardrop. Put wheels on it. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> so. Alan, um, very artistic. Um, so he, he felt boxed in, right? Uh-huh. In oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's I a dad joke. <laughs> that is a dad joke like I'm Clint. a dad four times over, so <laughs> I've got him. But, um, you know, he had a chance to sort of spread his wings a little bit, um, share his vision with what Joe's vision and what my vision was. Um, obviously, Joe and I were familiar with the tab. That was really um, the first thing that we saw in the teardrop market that wasn't, again, I'll use the word, a little bit boring or a little bit static. It's all They're all fairly you know, similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in 2011, we just sort of said, well, what else is out there? You know, why is everything so boxy? Why is everything so bland? Um, let's take what Tabert did. Um, that Dutchman brought over mm-hmm. and keep running off of that. And, 
you know, as I said, it wasn't necessarily intentional. Um, we weren't necessarily thinking in those firm um, thoughts or lines of thinking, but it just came to be and we sort of formed our identity, the shapes of our doors, the windows, just the lines, the colors. Um, and now when we propose something in a new build, we have a process where like, nope, that's not our identity. Mm -hmm. No, that's missing a signature piece or, mm. or vice versa. Interesting. It has to have this in it. So, um, what are some of the high notes of this is our identity and these are our key components? J just sure. Careful. I mean, probably the easiest thing we like to hang our hat on quality. Uh -huh. So quality and aesthetic, um, would be two of the, the major leaders for us. Um, and in terms of that quality and aesthetic, it all starts with our cabinetry. We build it all here. Um, we design it all, we build it all, and it's all real wood. So that's number one. Number two, um, we've incorporated the Alda system into the vast majority of what we've done. Even uh, the new lightweight truck camper, it's a standard feature in it. So the tag is the only unit that is not large enough to really hold the Alda system. Mm -hmm. um, the Froley sleep system, we put in a number of units. Um, those are things that we seek to do uh, intentionally as long as, or as well as um, like a uniformed entry door um, mm -hmm. with the curved right. um, top and everything. Mm -hmm. um, just like that style. Um, and those, most of those are European vendors. Right. And um, as you mentioned, we might be their only RV client. Right. Right. Can I can I clear up something? Absolutely. The official way to say this is what? Alda? Alda. Alda. Because in yeah. Texas, we say Aldi. Aldi. Well, Aldi. I mean, we say everything. All right. <laughs> you know my complaint. You've heard me say, yeah, can't you name things that people can pronounce? Do you know, some, sometimes it takes us five or ten minutes to figure out somebody's talking about a cirrus. Because they can't pronounce it. Well, that's that's right. a byproduct of us being in Texas. They, well, is it really? Okay, come on. I'm going to get It's spelled here. like a cloud that has been spelled that way yeah, for I a get long it. time. I, so I will, I will take that one. <laughs> but how many ways can you say Avia? Well, obviously there's one. Yes. Pun. Yeah. A, yeah. Dad joke. The Avia. 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 Why we put the emphasis there. Or a T at B. Right? A T at B. I mean, really. I'd like okay. to see your T at B trailer. But you do have those signature things. And Aldi is something that we always say Aldi. Alda. A lot of people say Aldi, <laughs> but it's Alda. It is. Yep. Alda. And that's because it's a European <clears throat> word and brand. Correct. How old is, is Alda? Because it's no one's going to run across it here in the States, except for with what you're making that I know of, but it's very well established in Europe, right? It is. I don't have, I don't know the exact age, uh -huh. but um, it's decades yeah. um, as in probably 50 years or so. Um, and we can't wrap our heads around it, but it has proven itself. Yes. Both Alda and Truma are big time players over in Europe mm -hmm. and they have made inroads here uh, into the RV market. Yeah. Truma has really jumped in mm -hmm. better as than the Alda has. Yes. Yeah. So they have, they've made a name with more mainstream. I wonder why the Alda hasn't done that. 
So I'm not sure why one's pushed more than the other because the combi is going wild. Yes, yes, but, everybody's using it. Yeah, but the Aldi or Alda. Alda. Um, it's us. And we messed them up. Airstream. <laughs> I think Airstream, them wrong. Airstream put it in their international, I think. Okay. And some Class Bs. And I think that's about it. It's not as widespread. What do you think the, the barrier to more widespread acceptance of those cool systems is in the market? Is it just because there's so much, hey, this is what's always been in U.S. units? There's no real reason to change. It's a known commodity. Is that the biggest barrier or is there something I, else? I think it's dollars. Uh-huh. Um, I would tell you that it's, it's going to, that's a decision that rests with the manufacturer. Mm-hmm. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. So I would tell you the difference between a um, furnace and an all the system is, you know, 10 times. Mm. Um, obviously there's, the water heater element as well. So when you factor in a water heater and a furnace and you compare it to an Alta, you're still looking at, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly, let's say four to five times the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So if all the manufacturers said, hey, we're gonna put in hydronic heating and hot water systems into our units, the consumers are gonna take it. It's better. I've never heard of anybody other than the people that don't wanna learn mm-hmm. say oh i prefer waking up with you know dry mouth a, a no. forced air furnace yeah. that comes on and <laughs> off all night long right. Right. waking me up no they, they like the ambient heat you know sure, sure. radiating through the the vehicle at all times and um and the instant hot water I, but it's do, just do a, think i think it's a manufacturer a... level i the, yeah. the people would consume it and if it's gonna if it's gonna cost them an extra maybe 2000 bucks why not yeah well um financial driven builds are you know understandable Uh, people don't build rvs um for any other reason but to sell them and so you have to keep price point in mind i think that customers are afraid of things that they don't understand and they don't understand how the alda system works They're afraid it's complicated. They're afraid you're going to have to rip out all the walls to fix it. They don't know how to winterize it. It just feels like a big complication that could be a problem. New things scare people. Sometimes to be better means you have to learn something and it's going to be a little more complicated. But once you've got it, your life's a whole lot better. better. So I don't know that fear is such a big factor in that Uh i could see from a manufacturer level you know sure there's a dollars influence but then there's also a secondary stream of Mm -hmm. you know negative income in terms of support sure so if you're not properly educating or properly supporting Mm -hmm. um it's going to get additionally expensive yeah well can we shift gears here yeah because i want to talk numbers i You know, the numbers have just come out. There's a lot of reporting now with the stats. So, um, you know, they're estimating 424,000 RVs built this year. I mean, they're guessing like between 415 and 434 or something. And that's the that's the average number they're picking. So that's four and a half percent higher than last year. With a big break in the spring. Yeah. After the dead space that Uh we have had uh, of non-manufacturing. So, um, how does that compare to 
to New Camp. Are you about in that same range of increasing from last year? Are you going to be better than that? Even when, I mean, just comparatively, mm. does that, does it national figures track with what you see at New Camp? A lot of times they do. Um, what's interesting though is often we do much better, but then also much worse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, How do you mean? I mean, for instance, this year we'll end up, let's say, 15% in terms of units produced. 15% uh, higher. Year. Right. Wow. So raw units produced will produce 15% more. Um, however, say 2019, when we set forth with a new type of strategy, mm -hmm. um, we saw our growth below what the average was. Mm -hmm. And that was intentional. But nevertheless, um, you know, from 18 being a fairly high year until mm -hmm. the second half dropped out um, to 19, we saw, you know, a, a pretty good drop there. Mm -hmm. So th it's nice to see 15% growth. We had actually projected 30%. Mm -hmm. um, but in those six weeks really cost us that. Mm -hmm. But um, we've yet to actually reap any benefits from... Uh, increased manufacturing levels due to uh, the run on RVs because we simply can't produce any more than we already had scripted. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. right. You're working at capacity. But how long did you stop? When everybody shut down, did you stop for a few weeks, a month? How long were you shut down in production? Yeah, we were shut down for six weeks. So Six full weeks. I think March 23rd to May 4th. And how did that feel? Did it feel like a vacation to you or did you work constantly <laughs> trying to figure out what's next? Uh, not a vacation for me. I think I did. I think I did take two or three days off uh, here and there. But now the leadership team was here um, every day meeting, um, looking at our next steps, watching what was going on, just trying to stay up with the regulations and and just any kind of updates that were going on. Right. Um, so we had we had some limited teams here we were working remotely mm -hmm. um with several of our teams uh, obviously production was shut down but by and large um life went on we mm -hmm. continued to ship units out that were in the yard sales were selling from home and the yard got cleared out um when we returned may 4th we started from ground zero again now next year they're thinking it's going to be a banner year, bigger than anything in decades. It's going to be bigger than 2017. Um, I think we all learned this year that, you know what, it's really hard to predict the future. But what do you think is going to happen next year? So obviously there's two levels there. One is the dealer level, which, uh, you know, there's been a banner year this year. Right. The, the other level is the manufacturer level, um, which, you know, they started cranking out more so you guys dealers have very little inventory so manufacturers are going to have a banner year next year right period because you're going to want to get your inventory levels back to ideal stocking right and dealerships right now are pre-sold on certain lines pretty far out there into next year mm -hmm. already so if it comes in it's already got a name on it so it might take a while to get there mm -hmm. number one and i think that dealerships will continue to enjoy strong sales um but as i said a few months ago i said guys the next 15 months 
we're just pedal to the metal pretty much building as much as we can as long as we maintain the quality yeah if you had something let's say on the off chance that other people in your factory in this building listen to this podcast what would you what would the words be that you're proud of of them i mean they came back after covid and did exactly what you've asked of them what would you say to your your guys and gals here sure you know and and to some degree we have shared this message mm -hmm. um but number one is thank you um thank you for coming back so quickly so willingly um the day we walked in there was a buzz and that energy did not wear off for probably four weeks mm -hmm. maybe five weeks um, there was just a joy be about being connected again getting back into the groove um, and from that helped stem or it stemmed off and we just started finding more opportunities so when you when you approach a job with the right perspective and like a great attitude um, you're more willing to go the extra mile so we started gaining new efficiencies as well um, they decrease their damage levels they increase their efficiency levels we have less employees this year um, probably about 20 of them 20 less this year than we did back in or last year at this point mm -hmm. um, but yeah we're going to end up building you know a few hundred more units so it's it's a big thank you um when when you talk about the people here at new camp we talk firstly about how we care for each other and that's really a genuine thing we care deeply about the the people that we work with um, so when they're joyful we're joyful when they're going through something rough we've got our arm around them mm -hmm. um, and helping them get through it um, it's just been a, a crazy five months since we've been back. Um, very busy. Recently, we've been hit with the back orders, um, but everybody's keeping their chin up. Um, and it's just a real positive environment to be in. Mm -hmm. um, I know that uh, we've got our customer service team on the front lines taking an unprecedented number of calls. That's true also in parts and warranty and, you know, it's it's not easy so just that's also a big thank you and it's probably a little harder for them to keep their chin up because they're they're catching any kind of flack that's coming in through the door and the people out assembling the trailers they're sort of insulated from that sure but yeah it's just a it's a great family here and i think uh, the last five months just sort of helped solidify roles solidify what we bring mm -hmm. to each other mm -hmm. and solidify the fact that uh, we enjoy each other yeah yeah well i know at new camp you pride yourself on customer service you pride yourself on taking care of the people that bought your product um i i know you've you've tried to set things up so that you do the very best job of that so how did you do that what 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 makes new camp so special in that area i think it all starts again when when you look back you know 10 years ago um 
Joe and I both have a heart for other people. Um, I would hope that everybody, you know, wants to follow the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have them do to you. Um, we'd feel rotten if we ever gave somebody a product, um, that they paid good money for, and it didn't deliver the experience that they were looking for. And, uh, so it just started out small. We were always, you know, there's something called, you know, always do the right thing. And mm -hmm. that just comes from uh, a mindset. And when you had two people in an office saying, no, I got to make that right. No, you know, this experience needs to be at a better level. Um, and then when you bring more people in, you're sharing that philosophy with them. Okay. You know, we're always going to do the right thing. Um, we're always going to go the extra mile. We'll do whatever it takes. Um, and what happens is you create customer evangelists that way. You can have a product that's great, but if you don't have the service, you're not creating customer evangelists, really. They might say, hey, check this product out. But it, the conversation stops there. Um, I think that attitude gets, you know, spreads throughout the community. And it's just been something that's fostered along, um, again, from the get go, probably unintentional. Mm -hmm. It was just our heart. Um, but it became intentional, became a mantra, you know, the larger we got and understood, no, this is who we were. We're not going to deviate from it. You know, you could say some bad business decisions flowed from it. You know, you, you expended some money that you shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. But to us, you know, you're going to you're going to take a couple lumps uh, when you walk down the right path. It's OK. If I needed help today and um, how would that go? I mean, can I just call New Camp and get help? Absolutely. Um, our phone lines and email um, are open for the general public. Uh, they're open for our dealers. Uh, we have a customer experience division. And that's headed by an individual named John Sanity. Um, if you know anything about customer service, um, you know that Nordstrom is sort of the cream of the crop. Right. John came from Nordstrom. Um, ah. He believes in those principles and the, that philosophy. And, you know, that lines up with our vision. So John was a perfect fit to oversee that. And so you brought in the Nordstrom philosophy. Uh, not yes. exactly, but. Very close, yes. Okay, yeah. all right. Nord, well. Nordstrom with our twist, I guess. Right? <laughs> no shoes, huh? So. <laughs> <laughs> you don't sell shoes. You know, so many books have been written about Nordstrom. It's uh, it's really iconic in that area. Um, okay, well, you know, the future of New Camp always is a mystery to me. It always feels like I never quite know what's on the horizon. Is there anything you want to tell us about what the future looks like? Well, I think that uh, it's pretty obvious that, you know, we've got a couple new products that are coming that we're excited about. Mm -hmm. um, the timeline with the Barefoot has, hasn't has been exactly what we thought it was going to be, but that's right around the corner. Um, mm -hmm. So the Barefoot, I think, is going to be a game changer. Um, the 620 uh, is our new Cirrus truck camper. Um, that is going to be a, a real unicorn in the, the place that it's going to nestle into. Um, and we're super excited at the prospects of that. So those things are on the immediate horizon. Um, as we look forward to 2021, um, 
obviously, as you mentioned, we'll probably be building more units than we ever have. Um, okay, so do I get to tell you what I want you to build next again? <laughs> well, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, not whatever I want. Well, he's heard it, he's heard it a few times. What if what if he told you what you want him to build, and you can say yes or no? <laughs> Is there something we don't know about that's on the horizon that you can talk about? Um, no. No? Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Here's what I want to see. I'm just going to put it out there, okay? Uh-huh. All right? Y'all leave your comments. You know where to leave them down below, or you can go to our Facebook community group. But here's what I say. I want a tab 500, okay? I want it to be a walk-around bed. I want it to be two to three feet longer than the 400, but the same style, the same size. And I could go up to 4,000, maybe 4,500 pounds. And I want it to be a walk-around bed, tons of windows, and a U-shaped dinette in the front, small bathroom and kitchen in between. Doesn't have to be huge like the Avia, but that's what I want to see. Will you build me a Tab 500? I tell you what, build me a tab 500. I'll drive it around the country and we'll get, I, I know, I know. I will be your tester for that. When you build it, I'll drive it around and get people's opinions. There I you go. I can't think of anybody better. No. To do that. <laughs> Nobody has a louder mouth, right? Hold, hold on. You would have to, you would have to be away from Princess Craft for not on business like this. So are you voting for it? I'm, I'm, I'm totally voting for it because, because I think that that may be the bigger, the more difficult part of the scenario is getting you hey, away from the office. You know, it's, it's COVID times. We've all learned to work remotely. Even me, tab 500. Who's with me? Huh? Huh? Sounds cool. Okay. All right. Scott said it sounds cool. It's a start. He has ignored me for years. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, um, thanks for your time, Scott. We have kind of rattled your brain on a lot of corners. We appreciate it. Um, I know people love to hear what you guys are up to here. We can't wait for the new stuff. Yeah, the new stuff's exciting. Um, thanks for having me. Um, it's great to have you here in Sugar Creek and uh, appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, and check out the show notes for the largest cuckoo clock in America. Oh yes, right? I, I, in the world. In I, the world. In the world. In the world. I was I was out there getting footage of it when uh, when Andy rang me up and said, "Get on over here." So it's the uh, I was I was looking for the sites around Sugar Creek, and that's the only site I got. Is that the only site? <laughs> oh, it is beautiful here right now. A month from now, it'll be snow, right? Um, two months, probably not. Yeah, I mean it'll, it'll definitely get cold and windy, but we're just far enough south of the lake lake erie mm -hmm. um that we don't get too much of that oh so good we we get hit with those southwest oriented storms you know mm -hmm. so when you see louisville get a bunch of ice we know we're gonna get buried yeah okay. um, so it's gonna rain for sure if you're here but may not snow well i can just tell you it's beautiful and i know you always welcome visitors so people can walk in and get a factory tour that's true we're uh right now we're a little truncated with that because of covid but those oh, things are that's lifting right. up a little bit yeah so, yeah yeah i yeah we took our masks off for the interview so um 
Okay, well, you know, when things settle down, then you make your trip to Sugar Creek. And in the meantime, you can go to our show notes and you can see Clint's video of the largest cuckoo clock in the world mm-hmm. right here in Sugar Creek, Ohio. Exciting stuff, y'all. I agree. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank Thanks, you, Scott. Appreciate it, guys. It is so cool to visit our friends. You know, we have friends in many different locations that build really cool products. Well, That's New right. Camp is is one of those stories that we've watched for about a 10 10-year time span. Mm-hmm. The growth has been enormous. That's Phenomenal. Enormous. Right. Phenomenal. The product lines, the innovations, um, and talking to Scott, who's been there for the past 10 years, yeah. is is really cool. The podcast doesn't do it justice. It, re- it really doesn't. He's kind of a low-key guy. Right. And uh, when you walk in the place, it is just filled with energy. I right. mean, that place is just buzzing. But it's not It's, it's not one of those buzzing. like, this is energy and everything's just popping and, 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 you know, there's cool, fun shows going on. No, the place is together. That's it right. It is clean. It is efficient. And the oh, yeah. bustle is so orderly. I mean, I would eat off those floors any day. Yeah, we should. We could have just had because a picnic noodles and right there potatoes, on the floor. But <laughs> <laughs> Mashed potatoes with noodles on top. Oh, I got it. We should serve that. You know how we have pancake breakfasts mm-hmm. to like have raffles make money yeah. and things? We should serve our employees one day mashed potatoes with noodles on top i bet yeah. we could make that well and that's what brings me back to how kind hard of a concept. you know we talked about it donuts are one of the most profitable things you can do because the yes. materials you can make a donut for yeah. cheap and sell it for a lot that's true but you know grease costs money so i am thinking that noodles on top of mashed potatoes it has just got to be it's, the absolute cheapest yeah, thing you can make it's got to be i mean so so good on them for uh, for yeah. coming up with a uh, uh, what's well, a staple up and, there? And it's egg noodles. So there's got to be some protein in there. Sure. And so you you have you have that. It's a staple. It's got to yeah. be cheap to make, and and it's easy to put on a menu, and yeah. people like us <laughs> buy it and try it. Yeah, but I'll tell you, in in Texas, if we don't put you know a side of brisket or ham, we'd yes. have a mutiny, right? Right. We'd have a mutiny. Right. Well, I guess. That's one reason that we don't fit in as well in Amish country. But I sure like visiting. And I'd go I do back too. right away. Well, when we go back, we'll tell you more about them. They've got new stuff coming up. I know Scott was really timid in talking about it, but it's just going to be a super fun year. Right. So we'll keep you informed. In the meantime, don't forget our sponsor for this episode. They've been so good to us. They have. Go Power Electric with, with their ability to transform your RV into a, a off-grid animal I and mean, they and they have that calculator on their website right. so if you're at all interested in this go on their website use that calculator to figure out how much energy you need mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then it will also tell you give you an idea how long you could camp off the grid because that right. may not be your thing but wouldn't you love to try it sure so check it out i'm all GP electric And I was talking over you. Go ahead. That's okay. GPelectric.com. Y'all check it out. Okay. Next time, we're going to try to have Lindsay back because we know the energy she brings to this podcast. I know. We miss you, Lindsay. So we'll try to get Lindsay back in on the microphone for the next episode. We're going to join up with her at the Texas Tiny Trailer Rally. And PJ? From the airport. (laughs) Signing off from the airport in Charlotte. (laughs) All right. Airplane mode it is. (laughs) 
Next time. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>